Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. We're on on Zoom a little bit earlier at 9 o'clock. Uh, with uh, other members of our Park City community just chatting. And I shared with them briefly that uh, if any of you who are working remotely, I know we have educators and others do a lot of time on Zoom. And my kids are, are two of them uh, in the second grade and everything happening via this little, I don't know how many inch iPad that uh, they're using. And I, this week I had a, mo- a moment, an experience that I wasn't prepared for. I was chatting with one of them and I saw her sister, the teacher had given some instruction and I saw her sister turn and look away from the the iPad and point to someone who wasn't there and repeat the instruction, right? So the teacher was like, please do X, Y, and Z. And my kid turned around and said the same thing to someone who wasn't there. And I looked at her, I said, uh, you know, uh, what, what are you doing? And she said, oh, you know, sometimes I just, I, I, I tell my imaginary person, there's an imaginary man here, an invisible man, I think is the word she used, uh, to, I, I just tell him what's going on in the class. And I thought, okay, all right, stay calm, stay calm, Matt. And, uh, I just kind of let it go. I'm like, cool, cool. And we, you know, we went about the rest of our day. Well, a few days later, we were sitting around as a family one evening and just kind of chatting about, uh, you know, one of those rare moments when the kids are just, they're just chatty and you're just happy to be there, uh, kind of to kind of hear like, what are they going to say next? And so over the course of that conversation, uh, I was like, oh yeah, Jess. So, uh, you know, this happened a few days ago and, uh, have you guys told mommy? They're like, no, you know, and then, 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 uh, we're kind of chatted for a moment. They're like, yeah, we do that. Both of them. We do that all the time. (laughs) What? They're like, yeah, we, we frequently will look off camera and pretend we're talking to you or mommy. And then we'll turn back and, and face the, like the, the, the class, the teacher. And, and, uh, again, I, thought, all right, all right, you know, I I have no idea what's going on, right? I I don't know what's happening, but apparently this is the world we live in now, right? Like this, this is your your life and whatever your little eight-year-old mind is doing, maybe you're just playing games with classmates. Maybe you're processing some deeper reality that I am not aware of and you need help uh, doing that. And this helps you to do that. I I don't know what that experience is for you and your eight-year-old mind. But I I thought, um, I thought, okay, this is, this is, this is the world now. This is your world now and, and ours as well. And our reading this morning, uh, I think there's a correlation here. Our reading this morning, I think, creates or flows from a really similar feeling. All right. Habakkuk, again, remember, has just been voicing his complaint that Judah, his people, his country, uh, the ones who have been chosen to, to be the righteous expression of God's good character to the world, Judah has gone way sideways, right? They are corrupt and broken and unjust and evil and taking advantage of one another and exploiting each other. I mean, all sorts of evil, just it's running rampant. And uh, Judah has cried out, God, do you see this? And God has said, yes, I'm sending the Babylonians, right? People even more unjust, wicked, evil, corrupt, and violent than you are. And you get the sense in which Habakkuk's uh, processing of this conversation is like, well, this is the world we live in, right? This, uh, this makes no sense to me. I can't, I can't understand a bit really of what you're trying to communicate to me, God, in this moment, but this is the world now. I, uh, I was driving home from a, a, a library near our neighborhood this week and passed the yard sale sign with like the normal 
information that you would expect. Like, this is the yard sale, and it's at this address, and show up between these times. But the last line uh, on the sign stuck with me, and it said in bold letters, our crap can be your crap. Right. And, uh, I thought, all right, you know, I appreciate a good, honest sign, right? Like, like here are people that are, uh, they're not, they're not sugarcoating anything, right? They're, they're just being honest with me that really what's happening here, what they're inviting me into and anyone else who will respond, uh, is, is an opportunity to make their junk, right? My, my junk. And I feel like Habakkuk again, particularly this morning, right? So this morning, what we read is God's answer to all of Habakkuk's questions. Not just his question about Judah, but specifically his question, God, how are you going to use Babylon, seemingly even more wicked than, than the people you're trying to correct, to, to fix? How, how are you going to fix this with, with that? This doesn't make any sense. And in his response, God, God lists the grievances of Babylon. Uh, in a sense, uh, affirming to Habakkuk, uh, don't worry, I know full well what is going on. And he lists the things that we read, five woes, judgments. But that in this moment, you can feel Habakkuk. You can, you can almost feel him. God, you're just, you're just trading one set of junk for another, right? This is, this is the world now. You're just, you're just going to trade one man's injustice for another's. And you can sense Habakkuk in this moment struggling with what's the point? God, where, where are you? And how does this work? And maybe again, I think that is a feeling. Uh, that you can understand, we can relate to, and maybe all kinds of ways, as we've said previously, maybe in the really big headliney sort of ways, but also probably in the details of your life, as you make decisions and process the ins and outs of things that you're facing and experiencing, these questions of God, I, this just, it doesn't add up, this doesn't make sense. As we sit with uh, the reading this morning, I, I just, we're going to kind of like, um, not kind of, or like, we are actually going to think about some of the details of the passage, like what is happening here, but then make some application that I hope will be helpful. Uh, and hopefully in the midst of this, again, fire and brimstone judgment, find some hope. Uh, but I do want to just be honest. I'm, I think if you, as you listen to her read, there's some strong language here. Uh, I, and I just think we have to be honest that first of all, immediately, like right off the bat, uh, that this passage is particularly difficult to read and hear. Particularly, I, I'll just be honest with you, in reflecting and preparing for this morning, in, in, in this particular cultural moment of tension and wrestling with histories of injustice and questions, current questions of power dynamics and control and, and economic inequalities, all, all of these things, just to name a few, that with sort of the, the present moment as a backdrop, uh, it, it's, it was challenging to, to hear and read uh, this list of grievances. Uh, I, think, I think also sort of wrapped up in that, it's challenging because, I don't know, I'll, I'll confess, I think we're probably prone to read scripture, particularly these kinds of scriptures with, from the perspective of, of God on our side, right? Like particularly nationally to, to, so to speak that passages like this, uh, you know, we, we kind of read them from kind of one particular angle, but, but I, I do think like reading it this, uh, in preparation for this week, it gave me some pause. Uh, this is a list of woes. All right. So, uh, these are the things he addresses, in, uh, there's five of them. And the first one in verses six through eight is extortion. Uh, 
right? That, 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 that the Babylonians got us aware. They're taking advantage of people, uh, driving up interest. You'll see phrases like this in the Old Testament using unjust weights, right? So things are kind of skewed so that the one in charge comes out ahead, right? So there's extortion happening here, and uh, God is calling them to judgment for it. Uh, so the second woe, verses 9 through 11, he, he addresses specifically greed uh, that preserves like the security of the person in power at the expense of others. So the Babylonian greed to kind of build up their own uh, security, secure their own nest, so to speak, on the backs of or at the expense of others driven by greed. Verses 9 and 11 through 11. And then, then we move into the third woe. Uh, verses 12 through 13 are just a direct uh, um, addressing of slave labor, violence, that the, the, the violently taking advantage of the people uh, whom the Babylonians are overtaking uh, to uh, accomplish their, again, security and, and economic gain. And then the fourth woe in verses 15. Again, I know it's really dark, but we're getting hopeful. Uh, but in, in verses 15 through 17, the fourth woe he addresses again, which it seems on the surface like drunkenness and violence, like really. But, but, but what he's attacking here is the, the Babylonian sort of practice of kind of invading and then uh, uh, in a sense like provoking the people they overtake to drunkenness so that they can then shame them or take advantage of them. Uh, maybe living sort of this riotous life, you know, and kind of inviting them into it and then uh, in a turn in, in that moment of, of weakness and vulnerability, uh, shaming them and taking advantage of them. And then finally, like where it lands, verses 18 and 19, which really common language in the Bible, maybe less so today, idol-making. This list of grievances that, uh, that, that God, all right, this is God in, in the conversation speaking to Habakkuk. I see these things. Right? This, is, this is what you're uh, on about, Habakkuk. I see this in Babylon, and he lists them. So as I read them, again, I think kind of back to where we started uh, at the beginning of that list, uh, it's, it's difficult to read this particular list because I think uh, these qualities, these grievances have shown a remarkable staying power throughout human history. Yes, it's true of Babylon, and he is speaking to Babylon, but it's given here in a generic enough sense that, that, that this list of injustices uh, finds its application throughout all sorts of expressions of, of uh, human power and authority throughout history, our history being no exception. And so when, when, when I read, again, uh, in, in this particular moment, reading, uh, reading this uh, list uh, has been, I don't know, challenging or hard. It's, it's interesting to me, again, where he lands, that he lands on idolatry. This, this sort of list of things, you know, like taking advantage of others economically, yeah, um, slavery, yeah, bad, right, like violence, aggression, but then he lands, he lands on idolatry, and, and we'll reflect more on that in a moment, but, but here's Habakkuk wrestling. All right, let's just think about what's happening for Habakkuk. He's had an issue with injustice among his own people. God's answer is to send a people for whom this description is a really sort of accurate resume. You can feel Habakkuk. It's like we, we played, a, we played a, a round of this earlier on Zoom. You guys familiar with the game, Would You Rather? Yes, right? It's like, it's like Habakkuk is caught in a nightmarish game of Would You Rather. For example, would you rather eat 10 raw potatoes or 100 hot peppers? Anyone? Potatoes, yes. Really? All right. Well, 
Uh, would you rather, again, this was a game for my children, would you rather lick a melted chocolate bar off the sidewalk or lick clean an old car seat? Right? Yeah. Right. I'll, I'll stop. Uh, I'll give you one more. I'll give you one more. Now that I've totally derailed you and you've lost all sense of concentration, would you rather cut a baseball field of grass with your teeth or lick up a huge rain puddle? In our Zoom conversation earlier, which I knew this would happen, they took it way too far. They're like, what are the dimensions of the rain puddle? I'm like, really, that's okay. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, it, was, it was a good time. It was a good time. Actually, the first card I, I pulled out this morning, uh, uh, the, the first one just kind of randomly drew, this was the question, would you rather have to have one hand touching another person for every minute of every day or never be able to touch another human being again, which I thought was a particularly prescient uh, question for the moment that we're in. Uh, but, but here's here's like the reason for that little exercise, it feels like Habakkuk's kind of stuck in that kind of game, right? That, that God has given him two options, neither of which are particularly appealing, right? Like there's injustice here and you're telling me you're going to send uh, the Babylonians, right? Even, even, even more pronounced injustice here. He's, he's stuck in, in a game of, uh, again, of just really no good options, And again, I think perhaps to a much smaller degree, a lot of us are finding ourselves in precisely that kind of scenario. Is there a right answer? What's the best one? And I feel like I'm choosing between options that aren't good. Not neither of them really seem best or reflective of God's character. All these kinds of questions I I feel are bubbling up in all kinds of ways, in my life at least, and perhaps in yours. But in the midst of this tension, this struggle, here's God recounting this list and he, he, he lands on idolatry. He lands on idolatry. And here's, here's what I think, uh, for what it's worth, my two cents worth. There's this list of, of grievances and, and where he goes is idolatry. And I think, I think what's happening here is just a natural step in a trend that exists in every human heart, which is a trend towards self-promotion. All of these, extortion, greed, violence, arrogance, building our security at the expense of others, all these things are about self-promotion or perseverance, particularly at the expense of others. And what what we see happening in our reading and what happens again and again throughout history is is that, that pull of the human heart on a national and geopolitical scale. We're pulled towards self promotion. But, but that pull, I think, is rooted uh, just by virtue of its inclusion here. It's not some random, like, uh, although it is kind of an Old Testament practice and idols, as you may think of it, but it, I think, I think it's, a, it's a little bit deeper than that. This, this mention of idolatry is rooted in the sin of self-promotion, uh, which I suppose is what idolatry so often is, a recasting of God, whatever we choose to worship and honor in, in our image. We do it all the time, again, whether it's national or personal. Interesting to me that that God in his response to Habakkuk, in his response to Habakkuk, specifically about the pervasive injustice in Judah, in the people who are called to be righteous, the people who are meant to most accurately display his character and image to the world, uh, and now even to a greater display in justice in Babylon, God lands on idolatry. He lands on, on idolatry, a move that finds all sorts of expression in, in our lives, oftentimes in much more subtle ways. But in one sense or another, I suppose, a, a challenge to the practice in all of us, uh, the, the tendency in all of our hearts towards self-promotion. It's been true again 
It's been true of Babylon in this passage and probably every nation since. We are bent towards self-promotion, which I think leads us to a question that Jim Halpert from The Office has helped me to most clearly articulate. What is going on, right? If you remember the episode, right, it's now a famous meme culture. What is going on, right? Jim Halpert in this moment, uh, trying to make sense, right? The power dynamics in The Office are in flux. Who can be trusted? There's a, people usurping uh, proper roles of authority and placing themselves in positions that they haven't earned and all kinds of things and power dynamics and confusion and transitions of authority and chaos happening. And in this moment, Jim says, what is going on? And I feel again, similarly, Habakkuk. What is going on? God, what is going on? One, one expression of injustice supplanted by an even greater one. What is going on? I think if we could put a twist on that question, my question to you and to us this morning would be, what, well, is there any hope here? This long list of grievances, Habakkuk wrestling with the question, maybe you wrestling with all the questions you see and experiences you process, God, is there any hope here? And I think, all right, I think what we find in this reading, it really is two moves towards, specifically towards hope. Uh, one of those moves comes right at the heart. It's, it's uh, just, just right at the heart, verse 14, right at the heart of, of uh, this list. Okay, so again, just by way of context, so what God is doing here is he's identifying, he's almost acknowledging to Habakkuk, I know, I'm aware. But in this moment, he's pronouncing judgment. And in each of these, you could go back and look later, typically in a way in which that the judgment they'll experience correlates to the crime that they've committed. So in verse eight, he's like, you're exploiting others, you're plundering them, you will be plundered. Right. Uh, the, the next one, the next woe about security, it actually uses an expression that sounds a bit like if these walls could talk, right? Like you've, you've sort of built your nest. Well, uh, the walls have been listening and it's going to come crashing down on you. You're going to lose the very thing you've been trying to build. And the same thing when he talks about drunkenness and violence and the shame they're inflicting on the people around him. He's like, well, uh, that, that, that other foot's going to fall. Uh, so again, uh, announcing like one, that he's aware and two, that judgment will, will come and correlate to what they've expressed. But right in the midst of that, okay, right in the midst of this list, we, we read verse 14. A promise. And this is what it says. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, just as the waters cover the sea. A couple of things strike me here, but one is just its placement in the passage. Woe to you, judgment, judgment. And then the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I think, again, I think it's just helpful because, because the, 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 the feeling can be that injustice, uh, injustice is just swallowing the world. And God pushes back for Habakkuk and us on that idea and says, I know that's what it feels like to you, even in this litany of uh, grievances and, and evil practices. But, he says, but there is another truth. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. It, it's interesting to me, again, uh, God's answer to Habakkuk is not just that justice will be served. Right? That's in the woes. He's like, justice is coming. Right, like, and God, in this sense, more generally, gives us the sense of which He uh, nudges us to remember He has a very long view of justice. Our perspective is limited, as we've already discussed, but He has a very long view of justice. But His, his message is not just that justice will be served; 
It's, God's not just about like punishing evil and wickedness arbitrarily just because or ha- however we may choose to kind of complete that thought. But, but something uh, else is going on here. God is, uh, in this sense, telling Habakkuk, all of this is aiming at something. There's a trajectory, a trajectory here. This is, this is going somewhere, namely, quite specifically, so that the world may know me, my character, my glory, all the ways it's been tainted and distorted. God says, all of this, my response to wickedness and injustice in the world and in your life is so that my character, which we reflected again the last couple of weeks, one aspect of which is that his ability to forgive outstrips our capacity to understand that that character, the glory of that character, would be known and experienced in the world. That this is, again, the arc, I think, really, of the whole Old Testament. That's why he chose, uh, we start in Exodus, like Pharaoh did not know, but God is raising up a people so that the world would know, the nations would, would know the character of God. The character of the one who is making himself known in and through Israel would be known among the nations, which I think helps us then understand why idolatry is on the list. It's not surprising then that Judas sinned, the crime of their injustice, it's not just against each other. It's a crime against God. It's a distortion of of his image and character that he longs to be displayed and known to the world so that they could know the one of whom we sang about whose love is steadfast. And here, again, we hear Habakkuk. Uh, We hear him, or we're with him in this conversation. God listing the grievances of Babylon. Uh, Here, right in the middle, extending him an invitation to hope. Habakkuk, I know you can't see it. I know at times it might feel arbitrary or long in coming, but Habakkuk, this is going somewhere. I will make my goodness, my glory, my character known in the world as the waters cover the sea. That God will make himself known in your life, in in our world. This is the gospel, right? That in the middle of COVID, in the middle of reckoning with past and present sins, in the midst of persecution, experience the world over, God will make himself known. He is, again, I I feel like we're just repeating the same things week to week, but he is at work. At work specifically, revealing his good character. And I think sometimes, I don't know, that can be hard to see, hard to remember, hard to visualize. I, uh, I used to preach from a tablet. It was much easier to turn the pages, so I'm going to awkwardly uh, figure this out here. Thanks for your patience. But uh, I, think, um, I think, again, God's process, or, or in this moment, this move, not process, but this move, this promise, to make himself known, finds its fullest expression in Jesus. Listen to the language of John's gospel uh, as he describes Jesus. Right? So it, keep in the background this promise. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And this is how John describes Jesus. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, this promise that in Jesus, we see an expression of that very character and glory in a way we have never seen before or will uh, ever see again in quite the same way that Jesus here in this moment, an expression of God's goodness and character in the world. 
you, if you will, a, uh, an answer to that promise that God gives to Habakkuk and an invitation uh, for us. If we're struggling, if we're questioning, God, what does it look like? What do you look like? I can't make sense of what, what is your character? Here's so many things. An invitation to look at Christ, to look at Jesus and hear and see uh, the clearest expression of that promise in our world. But then I think, again, that's just that's kind of the first move. There's one other promise in this passage, and it comes at the end uh, of our reading, verse 20, uh, and maybe, I think, offers us a response, a way in which to maybe respond uh, to all that we've read so far. Verse 20, uh, this is where we land. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. So here, here's the movement. All of this wickedness, God says, I see it, and I will work retribution in Judah and in Babylon. No one is exempt. All evil will be accounted for, God says. But in the midst of that, he says, there's a reason, there's a direction. All this is headed so that my goodness can be more clearly seen. And over the course of that conversation, he lands here, the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. It's an image, again, I think we can read that as kind of like God being distant or aloof, but really it's an image of God attending, of God paying attention to and being tuned in, like uh, attending uh, to his world. It's not a picture of some distant, aloof deity. It, rather, it's, it's, it's an image, it's calling to mind for uh, Habakkuk and his time and for us, God and his temple, the place in which in the Old Testament, uh, the place in which God was present with and among his people. This was the place where they went to hear from him, the place where they went to, to know that he was with them, among them, in the midst of all of their struggle and questions and even of wickedness, that, that uh, he, the temple was this picture, this place of God's presence among his people, present, alive, attending to them, responding to them. And in this list, it stands in a really stark contrast to the closing woe. Idol makers, God says, uh, notorious, infamous self-promoters. Uh, in response to that, we read, but the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence. Again, a, a contrast to the temptation to build idols. Again, most often in our own image, idols which are lifeless, which are speechless. But here God says to Habakkuk, the God to whom you, Habakkuk, and you this morning at Park City, the God to whom you bring all of those prayers and complaints and concerns and frustrations and questions, the God to whom you bring all of that in this promise, we're told is attentive and alive and present among his people. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And in his presence, right, in the presence of one who is alive, not one who is lifeless and speechless, uh, we could respond a few ways, but here in this passage, we're res uh, nudged to respond with silence because unlike all of those idols, this God speaks. Right? The, the reason for silence in this moment, yes, it's reverence and awe, but, but I think the nudge here, particularly in contrast to the idols that he's just described, is because silence is warranted here because this God speaks. He speaks into the situations of our world and our lives because he's a lovingly attendant 
to all that is happening in the world that he has made and in your life that he has made. I, I referenced last week uh, a book, again, it just uh, I wasn't on purpose. I happened to be reading a book about listening, and it's just as dovetailed really nicely with, with my experience of studying Habakkuk. But Kate Murphy in her book, again, You Are Not Listening, uh, devoted a section to silence. And this is what she said. Uh, Somehow, lost in our self-promoting culture is the fact that you can't talk your way into relationship. Garrulousness fills the silence, but it also erects a kind of wall that separates us from each other, which I found a really fascinating image in light of this promise from God to Habakkuk, that he is in his temple. And of all the ways we could respond, he invites us to respond with silence. Rather than building up all sorts of walls that separate, and even as Habakkuk has done, sort of uh, filling the space with his words, eventually coming to the end of those words. And in that silence, allowing space for God to speak. Extortion, greed, arrogance, violence, all the things on this list Again, with the thread of self-promotion running right through the heart of it. God says, give all of that up. All the words you spend on that endeavor. The promise in this passage to give all that up. And in the silence that follows our letting go of that self-promotion, he invites us to hear a new hope that he speaks. He speaks. So I think we take these two things together, right? These, these, these two promises together, that he will accomplish his purposes. His character will be on display in the world. He is at work, even when we can't see it, even in our limited view of justice and time and perspective, God is at work moving his character into greater experience in the world. And in response to that, we're invited to silence. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.